0: You're listening to a podcast edition of Closer to Truth. For more information about this series, visit our website, closertotruth.com. Is life after death possible? I'd like to hope so. Survival, though, seems so fanciful, I'd have to work my way up to hope. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam all proclaim a resurrection of the dead, a bodily resurrection in the unknown future, where all people from all time would be brought back to life. Nothing could be more significant, but nothing in today's world supports this extraordinary claim. A resurrection depends on revelation, and revelation is immune to critique. I cannot test the truth of a resurrection, but I can assess its content. How does it work? Does it make sense? What's in a resurrection? I'm Robert Lawrence Kuhn, and Closer to Truth is my journey to find out. Hoping for a resurrection is hard enough. Without God, it'd be impossible. So I begin with a philosopher of religion who is an expert on God's special traits, Edward Wierenga. I ask Ed to describe the resurrection. I seek precision. Ed, as a philosopher and a believer, Uh, Help me understand what is the
1: supposed
0: resurrection.
1: It's a view about something that happens to people after they die. And in short, it's that at some point after death, they get new bodies. So on the standard view, at the end of time, in Christianity, when Jesus comes back to usher in the resurrection or the last judgment or whatever, in Islam, there's something similar about a final judgment. People who've died get new bodies, In the case of Christianity, the doctrine of the resurrection of the body is inspired by various passages from the Apostle Paul. The resurrection body emerges from the original body as somehow the original one was a seed for the final one. So all of those are kind of hints that uh, if our current bodies are corruptible, subject to disease and so on, uh, subject to doing wrong, the the new body is somehow going to be incorruptible. It's going to be free from sin.
0: Okay, just to be precise, though, when talking about a resurrection, that's not the same thing as an afterlife because some people believe as soon as you die, your your soul or whatever has a continued consciousness. They both lead to some kind of an existence after you die, but they're two radically different kinds. Is that fair? Right.
1: So what, what happens exactly, immediately after someone dies? Is, is there anything going on between the, the time of your death and the time of the final resurrection? On some views, people are pretty much conscious. Some theologians call that the intermediate state. There's something going on, that somehow it's minds or souls that survive. Um, disembodied. Disembodied. Other people think, uh, use the term soul sleep, they think somehow you continue to exist, but you might not be doing any thinking. I might not be aware of anything. It might just seem to you as though it was an instant instead of however many years it really was. And it would be easier, I think, to understand how that could happen if people survived as disembodied souls, which then later got hooked, hooked up in the right way with the body. So I think much harder to see how that could happen if we don't have.
0: Immaterial souls. If there's no God, this has uh, uh, virtually no chance. Uh, that certainly seems logical. Uh, and the question, and then how God will do this, is is the next question.
1: I think if we are souls, they wouldn't survive unless God kept them in existence. And if if we get resurrection bodies at some point, that wouldn't happen without God doing some kind of miraculous thing at that time.
0: The fact that there is virtually no evidence, I would think no evidence at all, and that doesn't bother you?
1: It doesn't bother me that there's no communication from people who've already died. I guess it's because I don't, I don't think I have any arguments in favor of survival of death, apart from religious considerations, apart from religious views. Mm-hmm. For the most part, I don't go around looking for evidence to support them.
0: Resurrection basics. At some point after death, we get new bodies. Good start, I could use a new body. Other details are up for grabs. Do we have souls? What happens immediately after death? What kind of new body? The resurrection is core to Christian beliefs. No resurrection, no Christianity. But the vision seems so alien to our earthly eyes. What's the theology of the resurrection? The theological term is eschatology, last things, the final disposition of human beings and the world. For an Anglican view of the resurrection, I go to England to meet an Anglican theologian and priest, professor of divinity at Cambridge, Sarah Coakley.
2: I think that it's unfortunate that people often think of eschatology as only being about a very remote time from now and not impinging on now. But if we think of God as essentially timeless, then whatever God is doing with us and will do with us eventually must be somehow all already available now under certain conditions. We are, as it were, en route to the resurrection body, and we can find in some forms of saintly transformed life already intimations of that resurrection body.
0: But will there be something in the future that will literally be a resurrection and a resurrection body that will, in essence, have eternal life and be non-corruptible and all of those things that, you know, I would like. I'll sign on for it.
2: (laughs) I have difficulty exactly expressing to you what it will be like because, because of my intense sensibility about the timelessness of God. Because all visions of heaven are actually sort of like, down here, only better, and they all have temporality written into them. And if you think that access to the timeless realm will ultimately be our reality, then all our attempts at imagining this will be pretty difficult. Therefore, we have to focus within this life on our only access to this, which is through Christ's resurrection body.
0: So let's uh, just establish some some things. You do believe that there will be some future beyond our physical lifetimes?
2: I do. Okay. Although to call it future might be misleading.
0: Okay, phrase it this way, at some moment when I die, that's not my last um, experience. Yes, I believe that. that. Okay, that's number one. Uh, Number two is uh, that experience subsequent to death Will be a timeless one, which means there's no change once you're there.
2: Well, I am inclined not to think about this realm as one of static life. Mm-hmm. Um, this is really because I think of God as infinite life. I'm very attracted to, paradoxical as though this may seem, to the vision of infinite life after death. ...put forward by someone like Gregory of Nyssa in the 4th century... ...who sees this as actually a continual adventure of desire. Because for him, being stuck is the opposite of what God wants for us. Infinite life involves infinite transformation.
0: What is the role of, of the body? Because the body is talked about, certainly in the New Testament... ...as being part of the resurrection.
2: It's very hard to think of a life of desire without the body. Whatever happened to Jesus in his resurrection, and I do believe in the resurrection, um, it clearly involved a body that was different from normal bodies but nonetheless was recognisable as the same body in some sense. We are, by definition, embodied beings, and all our delight and all our woes and all our agonies and all our joys are embodied agonies and woes and delights and joys. And I take it that that's what God intends, that God didn't want us to, as it were, flail about in um, mortal flesh for sadistic purposes, but actually intended this mortal flesh to be capable of transformation. That is, I think, the great hope set before people in the Christian faith.
0: Infinite life involves infinite transformation. I'd go for that, Sarah. If there is a resurrection to everlasting life, it would without doubt far exceed our capacity to describe it. I am undeterred and pushed to know more. If a resurrection is real, there must be more to know. The Eastern Orthodox Church lays high import on a resurrection, offering deification, as the ultimate goal of human beings. I meet a leading Eastern Orthodox priest and theologian, John Beer. I ask John how Christ's resurrection foreshadows
3: a general resurrection. If we start with the resurrection accounts in the New Testament, they've all got a very particular point to make. And in some ways, they always point back to the Passion. it's striking. When they, when they see him, they don't recognise him. Yeah? So it's not just simply, here he is again, having mm-hmm. been gone for the last week. You know, <laughs> here he is again, we can continue our relationship. No, it's, it's not as simple as that. For instance, when Thomas asks to touch his wounds, mm-hmm. yeah, he's not just wanted to check, is he flesh and blood? He wants to identify him as the one who's been crucified, mm-hmm. yeah? He wants to say, yes, really, by his death, he's conquered death, and him being here is proof of his conquering death. Christ is not subject to our spatio spatial-temporal limitations as we currently are. So the resurrection accounts make a theological affirmation about his victory over death and that we now have life in him when we also die with him, yeah? Then they do pointing out any kind of... Um, ...indication of what life might be like hereafter. So what are the implications of that? The implication of that that would be two. Firstly, that in fact life comes through death... ...that we should not be afraid of death... ...but in fact we can voluntarily take death upon ourselves now... ...in order to be able to live sacrificially... ...like he has shown us to be true existence... ...so that we no longer live in a kind of egotistic, constrictive way... ...but are rather willing to give the last dime... ...and whatever else it might be to to help others live... ...and that there is something beyond our physical death, as and when we come to it. Now, quite what that beyond is, is really difficult to say. Well, what can we try to say? So, the example that Paul gives is um, of continuity and discontinuity. Um, He points out a seed doesn't live unless it's sown into the ground and dies and rises. Only in that way does a seed actually come to life. But it's not what it was before. It's now something more. It's now a plant rather than an acorn. The body is the same, interestingly. It's the quality of the body that changes. So in the it, resurrection, it an, an,
0: well, I'll have my same body. I hope my shoulder is
3: better. <laughs> he uses the same word body for both. It's sown as, a, as an animated body. It's raised mm-hmm. as a spiritual body. Mm-hmm. The term body is the same. Um, but it's, it, it's changed in the way that the acorn becomes a tree.
0: I've heard that the orthodox position of what the human being will be like in the resurrection uh, is actually closer to what Jesus is or God the Father is, that the human being will become closer to God or God-like than other um,
3: uh, divisions of Christianity. Is that correct? I would say so. Eastern Christianity, orthodoxy, has got a very strong doctrine of deification, theosis, the technical language, to become like God. After all, this is God's desire. Let us make human beings in our image. We've yet to attain that status. We'll attain that status by putting on Christ. I no longer live, Christ lives in me. We will never be what it is to be God, but in the way that I live as a human being, I can share in the way that God has shown his life to be. And so come to share, technical language, in his energies, not in his essence. To become what God is
0: in the world deification means making divine or becoming like god changing human beings into divine beings though startling unnerving if anything in a resurrection makes sense deification makes sense being made divine becoming like god why settle for less to me If religion could ever be real, deification would seal the deal. I don't recall that Judaism, my own heritage, makes such extravagant claims. Yet, since Christian doctrines are often based on the Hebrew Scriptures, there's likely a Jewish kind of resurrection. I go to New York to ask a leading scholar of ultimate things, professor of philosophy at Yeshiva University, Rabbi Arthur Hyman. In Judaism, what is immortality?
4: Well, there are two aspects of immortality. Uh, The first aspect is the question is, in, in the immortal state, will there be individuals or will it be something communal. Mm -hmm. Now, I think the major teachings in uh, Jewish tradition are that immortality is individual. And here the notion of the resurrection of the dead is central, because here the belief is that the body will be reconstituted, the soul will be put into the body, and there will be individual human beings living. This is one aspect. Now, if we come to the world to come, the crucial point here is that this will be a kind of an idealized state which will happen, at least according to most uh, Jewish thinkers, after the resurrection of the dead. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth, in the words of the prophet, which means there will be an ideal world, that is, a world in which there will be no wars, there will be no sickness, that people live in good health, will lead a happy life,
0: and this life will go on forever. What I I seem to be hearing is a a distinction between the resurrection of the dead and the world to come, as if these are two separate things. Most people would think they're the same thing.
4: No, these these are separate. The resurrection of the dead uh, is one sort of thing. And then the world to come is something that is in sequence of the resurrection of the dead. Okay, because so. there's no agreement on when exactly the resurrection of the dead will happen. Will it happen in messianic times or will it come after messianic times? So,
0: so just let's personalize it. What would the resurrection of the dead be like? Is that a physical world? Do we have bodies? Uh, do we eat? Do we uh, have uh, physical pleasures? Is there sexuality? What is that world like?
4: No, absolutely. It will, be, it will be a physical world, according to most of them. And we'll again have this kind of discussion. More knowledgeably, I hope. More knowledgeably, <laughs> because we'll have finally some experience of, right. Of, right.
0: of what the future world will be like. Right. And is there procreation? Are there children? Do you, do, you, do you age? Do you grow up? Do you, do you, do you die?
4: There will probably be children. We will not die, at least according to most persons, because that'll be the idealized state that there's no death, that there's no sickness, but that there will be people and there'll be ordinary kinds of activities. According to mainline Jewish thinking, that the world to come will be in continuity with the resurrection of the dead. And what we have talked about, this idealized world, is really largely the world to come.
0: Presenting these monumental, cataclysmic visions, Arthur is scholarly and considered He distinguishes the resurrection of the dead, which is a singular event, from the world to come, which is the continuing, idealized world, also known as the new heaven and new earth. The resurrected multitudes would live in a new kind of physical world with idealized physical states, without the shortcomings of physical life, no more sickness, no more death. Sure sounds good, count me in, but it all seems, well, too pastoral. A perfect place, perhaps, for ancient shepherds and farmers. I'd expect more, at least Wi-Fi. What would it take to resurrect me after I am long dead? how to bring me back to conscious life, my inner awareness, the I I know is me, not somebody who looks like me and acts like me, but literally me. I speak with a philosopher of religion who works on the nature of God's existence and creation, Timothy O'Connor. Tell me, Tim, how is it possible To resurrect
5: me. I think what we need to recognize is there's going to be no natural mechanism whereby that happens. If we're going to survive death, we're going to need some help. (laughs) Uh, So... Agreement there. I think the best we could do is to show how it might be possible. It's not possible uh, that I survive death if God simply creates a duplicate of me. Uh, puts together a bunch of other particles in some other location uh, that is identically f- physically per- to me perhaps at the moment of my death has the same psychology even that would be a duplicate of me that's not the survival of me i care about not just that my type of personality survived death but i the very individual survived death how might that go well Think about the fact that we are biological beings who are constantly changing our parts. We're taking in parts every time we breathe and eat. We're giving off parts, uh, even off the surface of our skin, every time we brush against something. So it's not essential to me that I have this or that particular part. What is essential to me is that there be a causally continuous process, a biological process, that, that... It's in virtue of the continuity, biological continuity, that I survive for however long I survive in this life. And it looks like death breaks that continuity. So then Mm -hmm. it looks like there's no possibility for the very same life to continue uh, in the afterlife. But we see part of the picture. We see ourselves Mm -hmm. dying, and uh, then our bodies decay into the ground. Question is whether there could be a kind of continuity off of our living bodies that is something that's not observable to us, but that actually preserves our identity. And the interesting question is whether it makes sense that God might preserve my identity by causing, at the moment of my death, a, a fissioning of my body into some other spatiotemporal realm where God preserves me and allows my very individuality to Obsessed. The information content of what we
0: are as personalities couldn't God just reproduce that? Why do you have to have the same physical body? Because you know, three weeks before that was all different molecules anyway.
5: Right. Well, the reason is uh, I'm not an abstract object. I'm not a set of information encoding my psychology like a Microsoft Word being a, a program, an abstract entity that gets embodied in different physical computers. I'm, I'm a concrete individual. I'm a biological thing, and so my continuity as an individual is fundamentally biological. It may also require there be psycho, deep psychological continuity, but if you, you can't take away the biological continuity and say, "We're still talking about me," because I mean, God could take my psychology at the moment of my death, that total informational configuration, and instantiate it in 10 individuals in another location. Right? But none of them would be me right? Uh, they would be duplicates of me. One of them might be you. Uh,
0: I, I don't know what happened to you. Uh, if We're defining the you as this, this self-awareness that each of us has right yes. now, this first-person experience. Yes. You're requiring the physical body. Is that right?
5: Yes, because I think I am fundamentally a biological thing uh, with psychological properties that are not reducible to my biological properties, but my uh, the nature of what I am is a three-dimensional physical object a changing object I'm not identical to any particular set of of particles so it seems that
0: even if this is the worst case where only materialism is true and that there's this gap in our existence between when we die and when God may make a
5: resurrection that it's still possible logically for this to happen right provided there's a causal connection across that gap, that gap in time and space. Ordinarily, we think of when one physical thing affects another, there's, there's a spatial-temporal continuity. This would require that some things could causally affect things that are with no causation going across the intervening space. That's a more um, <laughs> challenging. challenging notion of causality, but it's not a conceptual question that uh, causation must involve spatio continuity. Our, our current physical theories seem to involve such continuity. And
0: you're saying it's impossible, though, for God in any capacity whatsoever to duplicate you to where it's really you. You can duplicate right. it, but it won't right. be you.
5: I think that's right. With, without preserving some sort of causal continuity mm-hmm. between my body at the time that I die and this other thing that is alleged to be me.
0: Good. Well, I hope God can do that. Actually... I'd like to hope God can do that. Like to hope because my confidence level hovers below hope. So, is a resurrection possible? I'm not saying that I believe in God, but I am saying that the likelihood of there being a resurrection is related to the likelihood of there being a God. Two questions. One, How can our private personhood, our inner self-conscious awareness, be resurrected long after our deaths? Is some kind of biological continuity required? I'd say no. Some deep essence of consciousness, whatever that may be, I'd say yes. Two, what would a resurrection be like? deification, making divine, becoming like God, changing human beings into divine beings, sounds absurd, even blasphemous. But if there is a God, and if God created human beings, there could be no greater purpose of human life. And for those who worry about boredom, if humans would attain such god plane existence in the world to come in the new heaven and new earth, I'd guess there'd be enough to do, though forever does go on a while. Now, back here in the real world, is a resurrection closer to truth.